الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وانك لعلى خلق عظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اني اسالك الصحه والعفه والأمانة وحسن الخلق والرضا بالقدر أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسسبكت العلماء الكرام برزيز الهلز It was a very concise, very short dua that was recited which is a dua that was taught by Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم In the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam dua was a very very prominent aspect his day and night was filled with dua and unfortunately this is something that we generally lack in whenever there's something the last thing often that we resort to is dua and there's some issue there's some challenge there's some problem so many a times the last thing we resort to is dua whereas the first thing that we should be resorting to is turning to allah taala if there is a opportunity for it two rakats salatul haja then making dua to allah taala giving some sadaqa and then adopting whatever means are possible to overcome the issue to take care of the situation but unfortunately often dua comes when after we've tried all the contacts and the contacts have failed and we've tried all the things that we thought we could sort out but that sort out didn't work out then finally we might that too often tell somebody else to make dua seldom we ourselves make dua when it comes to the 11th hour now and nothing else seems to be working then our hands will also sometimes raise whereas that shouldn't be the case right at the beginning we should be turning our heart and attention towards dua one is the dua in that formal manner where a person takes the time to sit down in one place sit down facing the qibla preferably in the state of wudu all these things are etiquettes of dua which enhance the effect of that dua but dua is something allah taala has made so simple and so easy that a person doesn't have that opportunity at that time to be sitting in one place to be facing the qibla to be in a state of wudu none of these things are prerequisites even without all this dua can continue that a person is sometimes even just walking and his heart can be engaged in dua and this is such an important aspect that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam terms it as mukhul ibada that this is the essence of ibadat the very essence it's something that's it's the core of it and ibadat this is what our whole purpose in life is the ibadat of allah taala and this is the essence of ibadat so nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam's life was filled with dua dua in the formal way dua what we term as masnoon duas azkar the various different occasions duas from the beginning of the day from the time the person's eyes open nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us dua 
till the time he's about to fall asleep, this dua. We should try and learn these duas, at least some of them, and read them on the relevant occasions. This particular dua that was recited at the beginning, in this dua, there are several things that Nabi Wasallam is asking for. Allah, Nabi Wasallam is asking Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, bless me with these aspects. So this is on the one hand, a dua, but Nabi Wasallam was already blessed with the peak of all this. He already was at the height of it all. But what we learn in this is, that abdiyat and servitude and humility requires that a person still keeps begging from Allah Ta'ala. Keeps asking Allah Ta'ala. That is a sign of his humility. That is a sign of his servitude to Allah Ta'ala. And when he forgets to ask Allah Ta'ala, then he is distancing himself from Allah Ta'ala. That is one aspect. And the other aspect is that all these du'as, on the one hand, while it is du'a, it is ta'aleem for the ummad. Look, these are the lessons you should be taking. And these are the aspects that you should be focusing on. And this is what you should be asking Allah Ta'ala. So there are many, many du'as. Among those du'as, this is one very comprehensive du'a, which we will inshallah briefly now discuss. But the lesson in this is on the one hand, that we should be making du'a regularly, daily. And together with that, we should be taking the lessons from these du'as also. In this du'a, Nabi Salaam has asked for five things. And all these five things are interrelated. Meaning each one, there is a link with the one that comes after it. The first aspect Nabi Salaam asked for is, Allahumma inni as'aluka siha. Allah bless me with health, good health. This too is a very great ni'mad of Allah Ta'ala. And in order to safeguard that health, a person should be avoiding something that deliberately harm himself. He shouldn't be doing something that deliberately causes problems to his health. He should be taking care of whatever is necessary. So this is a complete topic on his own, but this is a very great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala, and this is something to be looked after. And when that health is present, then a person can engage even more in the ibadat of Allah Ta'ala, can engage even more in the service of deen. So that health also is for the sake of the ibadat of Allah Ta'ala, and obviously a person will take care of his needs of dunya as well. So this is the first thing that Nabi Islam asked for, and this is a dua that is teaching us a very big lesson also. Then together with this, Allahumma inya saluka sihhata wal iffa. Ya Allah, I ask you to keep me chaste and pure. Asking for chastity. Who is asking? Nabi Wasallam. There couldn't be anybody more pure than him that ever walked on the face of this earth. Nobody more chaste than him that ever set foot on this earth. And Nabi Wasallam is asking for ifa, chastity. This is the which is ta'aleem for the ummad. And then again the lesson that we are talking about, that how these are all interrelated. The first aspect that was asked for was health. And now the second aspect is ifat, chastity. What is the lesson in this? If you want health, 
then maintain your chastity. That a person who maintains his chastity, inshallah, his health will also be in order. There can be other reasons why sometimes the health can be affected, but he will not have the complications that come as a result of not having looked after his chastity. We know what's going on in the world, what kind of, as they call it, diseases that they cannot find any cure for, and they are completely bewildered, AIDS and whatever else goes around, but the root issue behind it is where the chastity was not protected. Illa mashallah, some other, by the way, situation came up where somebody got infected in some other way, but otherwise the root issue is the lack of chastity. This is not confined to that. For example, a person didn't keep his eyes chaste. He didn't look after his gaze. He's looking at haram. One is the spiritual health will obviously get destroyed. That is in its place. That is obvious. But this will all, all these kinds of issues will have a detrimental effect on his physical health as well. Person looking at that haram at that time, ask any medical person, what it does to his physical self, how his heart rate will now shoot up, and when that heart rate is running at a rate that is abnormal now, what it does to the rest of the organs of the body, and repeatedly when this carries on, time and time again, then in time what complications this bring, physically as well. Now this is the link that we have been taught in this dua. Ya Allah, give me chastity. Because when that chastity will be looked after, that will be a safeguard of the health that has been asked for. So Allah sihata wal iffa, this chastity. And in this time and age, a person keeps his gaze and his heart chaste. Then inshallah everything else will be in order. If these two things he keeps in order, then everything else will be very easy to keep in order. And if he doesn't look after his heart, doesn't look after his gaze, and not looking after the gaze will affect the heart. Then once these two things slip, then once the gaze has slipped, the heart has slipped, and when the heart has slipped, the heart is king. When the king has slipped, then all the subjects will slip. Then the hands will slip, and the feet will slip, and the eyes will slip, and the ears will slip, everything will slip. So this is something extremely crucial and especially in this time and age, where at every corner, every step, a person is being shaitan and nafs are tempting him to fall in this pit. This requires that a person takes extra caution. And those means that cause a person to fall in these kind of vices, these kind of ills, these kind of sins, and a person needs to be hyper-cautious about these kind of technology and devices, if that has caused a person to fall once, twice, now it is foolish to still continue keeping that. So in any case, this was the second aspect that was asked for in this dua. Allahumma wal iffa. Allah grant me iffat, grant me chastity. Then the third thing that Nabi Islam asked for is wal amana. Allah grant me amanat. Grant me trustworthiness. Generally, our concept of trustworthiness is confined to something that a person has given us, some material thing as trust, as amanat, and we are required to return that. Indeed, that is amanat. And that is also a very important amanat. 
and that too has to be returned to the person whenever he demands it or as the arrangement is. It is also definitely amanat. And not fulfilling that amanat is a very major problem, very major crime. But amanat is something very wide. It's a very broad concept. It includes every aspect of a person's life. And all these limbs and organs that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, this too is amanat from Allah Ta'ala. Now a person is asking for this health, he's begging Allah Ta'ala for this chastity, but who will be chaste? That person who has amanat in him, who has this trustworthiness in him. And he is now trustworthy with the amanat that Allah Ta'ala has blessed him. That all these limbs and organs is Allah Ta'ala's amanat. So I cannot misuse this. Now when he has this amanat in him, then he'll be chaste. Amanat is a very, very wide concept. And in one hadith sharif, Nabi Wasallam has explained many aspects of amanat. That even wuzu is an amanat. Salah is an amanat. How does a person fulfill these amanats? Can you imagine what is the condition of our wuzu, our salah? What importance that salah is given how many times due to, let alone, what is just dunya, what is haram, that becomes an obstacle and makes a person miss his salah. So all this is amanat. How a person takes care of his responsibilities in terms of his family, that is amanat. The rights of his neighbors, that is amanat. How he deals with his customers. That is amanat also. And all this Allah Ta'ala says, awfu bil uqood. Whatever agreements you have made, fulfill that agreement. That is amanat also. Person has an agreement with somebody, is not just now how to find a loophole to come out of it. It is to live up to the spirit of that agreement. That is an amanat. Many a times there is a complaint that this person, there was, it's all in black and white. But now he found some loophole to get out of it. And to now renege on the agreement. Now that is as a result of lack of amanat. Whereas in the Hadith Sharif it comes that this is a sign of Qiyamah. That as Qiyamah will approach, among the things that will leave people will be amanat. And people will then, time will come when people will talk about it in a very very astonishing manner. That inna fi bani fulanin rajulun ameen. Like how we talk about something unique happening somewhere. We say inna fi bani fulanin rajulun ameen. So in so place, there's a place in some remote area, there's one trustworthy person there. It becomes such a strange thing. MashaAllah, in this time and age, there's still one trustworthy person somewhere. So this is something to be very conscious about. And to keep reflecting, are we fulfilling that amanat? So this is the third aspect that is asked for in this dua, and that is the safeguard of what has come before it. Allah And then the fourth thing the Bismillah asks for is al khuluq. Allah grant me good akhlaq. Now amanat is also a portion of good akhlaq. A person who is blessed with good akhlaq, he'll have amanat in him. 
and it has amanat in him, you have chastity. And he has chastity, then inshallah, he will not become a victim of those complications that come about in his health due to a lack of chastity. So now this husnul khulq, this good akhlaq, we are progressing from step to step. This has now come the fourth aspect, good akhlaq. What is this good akhlaq about? This is also an extremely fundamental aspect of deen. It is not something that is an optional aspect. It is part of deen. It's a branch of deen. And in one hadith sharif, Nabi Islam says that there is nothing ma min shay'in asqalu fi mizanil abdil mu'min yawm al-qiyamah min khuluqin hasan. Nothing more weightier on the day of qiyamah on the scales of good deeds, there is nothing weightier than good akhlaq. Open the books of hadith and you will see the number of hadith dealing with good akhlaq. Which shows the repeated number of times that Nabi Wasallam highlighted this. Many a times we hear something once, twice, still we heard it enough. But the issue is to reflect of how much has this come, is it enough that has brought amal in my life? Has it transformed me in terms of my akhlaq? What is the level of my character? On the day of Qiyamah, these deeds are going to be weighed. How much of my good deeds are going to be weighed down by means of good akhlaq? Can we imagine there are so many great amal? Tilawat of the Quran Sharif, excellent, very, very great. Tahajjud, all the nawafil. Person keeps nafil fast. And these are all great amal. But Nabi Islam sees all this in his place. Everything in his place. But all this cannot match the weight of good akhlaq on the day of judgment. That is still beyond all this. Many a times a person, mashallah, has recited several paras of the Quran Sharif. We feel something within ourselves that mashallah, we did a very great thing. Indeed it's a great thing. But at the same time, we shouldn't be feeling elated within ourselves that we are something. Because that will only depend on how much of that was accepted in the court of Allah Ta'ala. That will only know on the day of Qiyamah. What extent of sincerity there was in it. How correctly it was done. So indeed that is something to exert ourselves in, to do more of it. But shouldn't, it shouldn't bring any kind of pride within ourselves. But we feel, mashallah, we've done something, alhamdulillah, that good action making a person feel happy is also a sign of iman. Ida sarratka hasanatuk Nabi Sallam says, when some good action Allah Ta'ala has blessed you to do, if that makes you feel happy, not proud. Feeling proud is something else, that's totally out. But it brings the happiness, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala enabled me to do this. When you are given that opportunity to do something good, and it makes you feel happy about it, not proud, but happy. As part of gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. And if you have slipped somewhere, it makes you feel grieved. You don't feel that, so what? It's not a matter of, so what? It's a matter of, la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. How did I ever do this? My Allah gave me everything and I now have blatantly just gone against His command, trampled His, his laws, that sense of grief. When that is there for the mu'min, Nabi Sallallahu says, this is a sign of Iman. The sign that Iman is alive. So, 
this aspect of good akhlaq, this is something which is, now when a person has, mashallah, done something good, he's performed some nafil salah, he woke up for tahajjud, alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah. He made some tilawat of the Quran Sharif, somebody kept some nafil fast. Mashallah, with all that we feel happy about it, alhamdulillah. But if a person suppressed his anger for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, does he feel grateful within himself? Allah Ta'ala enabled me to suppress this anger and to practice good akhlaq. There the person feels that, no, I, I, I shouldn't have done this. I should have just vented my anger. I can't allow myself to be trampled all the time. Mustn't allow everybody to tramp your toes. All these kind of things shaitan will put in the heart and mind. Why? So that to deprive us from practicing good akhlaq. At that time, we are very ready to roll our sleeves. Do you know who I am? Now, all these things are the aspects that go against the dictates of good akhlaq. Somebody has said something out of turn. Yes, we are human. We are not made of steel and stone. We will feel that emotion. We will feel some negative feeling on that occasion. We will feel some pain and hurt. But what does akhlaq require of us at that time? Now, this is the thing to learn. From the seerat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa From the lives of the sahaba kiram From the practice of the ahlullah. How did they respond? To all the various situations that came about in their, their lives. Somebody abused them. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. How did they react? What was their response? They were people who were blessed with good akhlaq. And they responded with good akhlaq. Imam Abu Hanifa is walking. Somebody comes and starts walking alongside and he starts abusing him, saying all kinds of abusive things to him. Now, whenever there's a tree laden with fruit, there'll be somebody throwing stones to bring that fruit down. There's an empty tree, nobody throws any stones at it. So there were always these great personalities, there were always those who had some hasad, some jealousy, and up to this time and age, you'll find somebody saying something out of turn, or something out of his ignorance, so in any case, Imam Abu Hanifa is walking along and this person is saying all kinds of abusive things. And he's quietly listening. He's not saying anything. Eventually he comes at some point. He says, look brother, I'm now going into this direction because my house is this side. You're going to be going in some other direction. If there's anything else you want to say, I'll wait. I'll stand here. You can finish off. It must not be that later on you feel that you wanted to still say more but you didn't get the chance. So after you've said what you want to say, then I'll carry on. That melted this person completely and he sought forgiveness. Now what was this reaction? Where it came from? Can this just happen at the press of a button? No, it happens when somebody has developed good akhlaq. Otherwise, it's not one is an eye for an eye. No, when a person doesn't have good akhlaq, then it is life for an eye. Somebody has taken my eye, I'll take his life. In other words, somebody has committed zulm on me, I will commit double zulm on him. Whereas, yes, like for like, there is that leeway in Shariat and Deen. But at the same time, the Quran Sharif teaches us good akhlaq. Yes, like for like, justice Islam has given that leeway. But that must be absolutely equal, not more than that. But at the same time, in that same ayat, Allah Ta'ala says, the one who forgives and overlooks, and he makes amends and makes peace. His reward is with Allah Ta'ala. And he'll appreciate this really in the akhirat, but the burqat of it comes in dunya also. 
So now this husnul khulq, this good akhlaq, the person who possesses this good akhlaq, he'll possess this amanat. This good akhlaq is a complete branch of deen. It includes all the good noble qualities. And everything that makes a person insan and makes him beyond insan. It brings him onto the characteristics of the malaika. In one hadith sharif, Nabi Islam sums up this aspect of good akhlaq, which we have perhaps discussed on previous occasions. Sil man qata'ak. That join ties with those who cut ties of you. Somebody is bent on breaking off that relationship, you adopt good akhlaq and join that relationship. And for this person is all those great virtues of maintaining relationships, maintaining family ties, that there is barkat in his life, barkat in his wealth, and so many other things Allah Ta'ala has promised from the, for the person who maintains family ties, maintains relationships, it is this person, who somebody else breaks off ties from him, he joins ties. Silman qata'at. Wa'fu amman zalamak. Forgive the one who has oppressed you. Now this is where the good akhlaq is so heavy on the scales, because it's heavy on the heart also. Very easy to take revenge. They say revenge is sweet. They say revenge is sweet. But that sweetness is only just very, very momentary. It's just a matter of venting. But after that, there's nothing after that. Then there's a lot of bitterness that sometimes return, follows it. Because now after he's vented it, he felt, so to say, a little bit lighter. But now he's broken off that relationship forever. Now he's created so many other complications in the process. That so-called sweetness was just a deception. That was just shaitan's deception, that this will be sweet. So now, the person who has developed this good akhlaq, Nabi Islam is giving us a summary of it. Silman qata'ak, wa'fu amman zalamak, forgive the one who has oppressed you. But Allah Ta'ala wants us to, Nabi Islam wants us to go even beyond that. And what is beyond that? Wa'ahsin ila man asa'a ilayk. That return somebody's ill treatment with good treatment. Somebody has been treating you badly, you return that bad treatment with good treatment. It's not an easy thing. It's far more difficult than making tahajjud that night. It's far more difficult than making tilawat of the Quran Sharif the whole day. These are very great amal. But this suppresses and crushes the nafs. And that is the challenge. And that is why this is weightiest on the day of Tiamat, on the scales of good deeds. That it makes a person crush his ego. It makes him trample his ego to be able to practice on this. And that is what Allah Ta'ala loves. That a person humbles himself in front of Allah Ta'ala. The person humbles himself for Allah Ta'ala, man rafa'ahu Allah. The one who humbles himself for Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala elevates him. So in this dua, the first thing was sihat, good health. Nabi Islam asked for good health. And the guarantee of good health in terms of those things that harm health due to sin, due to haram, the protection of that is in chastity. Allahumma And the chastity, who will be able to maintain the chastity? Well, amana, the person who has amanat, trustworthiness. Trustworthiness in terms of the servants of Allah Ta'ala, trustworthiness in terms of his relationship with Allah Ta'ala. 
And everything Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with. And who can be truly trustworthy? Or husn al-khuluq. The person who has this good akhlaq and good character in him. And good character is not confined to saying please and thank you. That's the concept that the West has confined good character to. That is etiquette. It's also a good thing. It's etiquette. But husn akhlaq and good character is a very broad concept of deen. And who will be able to adopt this good akhlaq? The last thing Nabi Islam asked for in this dua, وَالْرِضَى بِالْقَدْرِ The person who is possessed with رَضَى بِالْقَدَى The person who has this great quality in him of being pleased with the decree of Allah Ta'ala in every condition. Whatever has happened, this is the decree of my Rabb. And therefore I submit to him. Yes, I'm insan, I'm weak, I will ask for safety and afiyat. If I am faced with some kind of situation, I'll beg Allah Ta'ala to remove the difficulty. Whatever means I can adopt to relieve that difficulty, I will adopt those means also. But in all that, the heart will still be pleased with the decree of Allah Ta'ala. Meaning there will be no complaint against Allah Ta'ala. And when a person is content with the decree of Allah Ta'ala, it's very easy for him then to adopt good akhlaq. It's very easy for him then to forgive and overlook. It's very easy for him then to say, let bygones be bygones, then let's go mend the relationship. Because he's, whatever has happened, has happened with Allah Ta'ala's decree. Inshallah, there's some good in the, in the spin-off of this. Sometimes that issue itself is not something good. But in what comes out of it, what it makes a person then, how it makes him make amends, how it makes him turn towards Allah Ta'ala, that spin-off was a very great thing. Something was a mishap, that itself is a calamity, that itself is a problem. But then if it turned the person towards Allah Ta'ala, it brought him closer to Allah Ta'ala, then that calamity is turned into a good for himself. But now this is the person who will be able to do that, the person who has this razab al-qada. The ulama kiram explained that this quality of ikhlas and sincerity, which is a fundamental quality, nothing is accepted in the court of Allah Ta'ala without sincerity. This razab al-qaza is even beyond that. This is something even beyond the sincerity, meaning what a great quality this is. And this is something that then enables the person to totally submit himself to Allah Taala and to be happy with every situation that befalls him, meaning that having no complaint against Allah Taala. He's insan, he'll feel pain, he'll feel emotion, he'll feel grief, he'll feel sorrow. He's insan after all. But he will turn to Allah Ta'ala in all conditions and he will have no complaint against Allah Ta'ala in anything. And when he is turning to Allah Ta'ala, no situation will make him break the laws of Allah Ta'ala. He will rather get closer to Allah Ta'ala. So this is a very, very comprehensive dua. We started off right at the beginning by discussing the importance of dua. Just to recap that very, very briefly, that this dua should be a fundamental part of a mu'min's life. There should be no day that goes by without us. One is the formal manner of dua, person sitting facing the qibla, begging Allah Ta'ala with raised hands from the depths of his heart. We have so much of time for so many things. Many a times the day starts off with reading the newspaper and getting in touch with the news. But have we raised our hands at the beginning of the day and begged Allah Ta'ala for help? Having first performed our Fajr Salah, maybe... We take a little bit more time, recite Surah Al-Yaseen, which is 
a very great thing in the morning, in the Hadith Sharif, it comes, the person who recites Surah Yaseen, which is the heart of the Quran Sharif, which will take 5 minutes, 7 minutes, 10 minutes, the person who recites Surah Yaseen at the beginning of the day, قُدِّيَتْ hawaijuhu, His needs of the day will be fulfilled. So he took the time to recite Surah Yaseen, he performed his Fajr Salah, he recited Surah Yaseen, and then he raises his hands and makes dua to Allah Ta'ala. Now he starts off his day, why won't there be barakat in that day? So there should be time for formal dua, making dua for himself, for his family, for his business, for his work, for his job. Making dua more importantly for his deen and iman, making dua for the entire ummah at large, starting off his day with dua. So there should be this formal dua also, and then together with that, all the masnoon duas at the different occasions, we should try and learn them, at least some of them, the dua at the time of waking up, Dua before entering the toilet, dua after leaving the toilet, dua at the time of eating. These are all simple duas. They will take a minute or two to learn them. Let alone recite it. Reciting will take a few seconds sometimes. Short duas. But all these duas, they build the relationship and the, the bond with Allah Taala. All the time a person is engaged in remembering Allah Taala. And then these duas are ta'aleem. They give us deep lessons. Like in this dua, we learn so many lessons Allah Taala bless us with the tawfiq of implementing these lessons in our life in terms of the amanat, the chastity, the good akhlaq. Allah Taala bless us with this quality of raza bil qaza. Allah Taala grant us the tawfiq of being totally obedient to Him in every condition. Allah Taala keep us with iman, take us with iman, and raise us on the day of qiyamah with iman. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillah.